With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Sorry to keep you waiting, Bills Mafia. We have a lot to pack into a very uh, truncated version of the post practice shout podcast because we're coming right back at you tomorrow for day two of minicamp today was day one he is ryan talbot i am matt perino this is the shout buffalo football podcast brought to you by value home centers and i'm sorry I'm losing my voice i mean i coached like six baseball games over the weekend ryan talbot and the, the voice is a little bit scratchy but we got a lot to get into i mentioned we're brought to you by value home centers right now to celebrate the grand opening of their newest location in Bath, New York, Value Home Center is running a contest. Go to valuehomecenters.com right now. You can enter to win one of 36 $250 value gift cards. Listen, are you trying to do something around the house? A uh, little maintenance? You want a new uh, piece of equipment? Uh, value will have you covered and they can help you get there with one of these $250 gift cards. Get over to the website. Enter to win right now. It's going to be awesome. Ryan, I just posted my observations. It's a 10-pack. we got a lot to get into today. Tons to get into. And how about we get started with the rookie, Matt, James Cook. James Cook, he brought a little bit of the sizzle today. I was going to say on uh, on Twitter uh, that James started to cook today, but I thought it was a little bit too punny. And listen. You know, that's my, that's my, uh, yeah, that's, that's your department. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to get into James Cook here it, 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 uh, pretty deep. There was more team drills than I thought they were going to do, Ryan. And they started off with some seven on seven then they moved into some 11 on 11. And uh, we'll get into some uh, Josh Allen uh, discussion as well, uh, because I just, you know, opined about, should I be writing about Josh Allen in these observation pieces? I, I, I kind of think the only time we re- really should talk about Josh Allen now is when he's, he's not, performing at his best because he's been so good. Uh, but I talked a little bit about him today. So Cook had two plays in particular that really stood out to me. And the first one was during seven on seven. He got himself uh, locked up with Matt Milano, probably arguably the Bills' best cover co- uh, linebacker. Uh, and he just got separation immediately. Seven on seven, kind of advantage to the offense, especially without pads, physicality. You're not really able to do that. But he got open. Josh Allen delivered a nice ball to him. He made the catch. Boom. The next play, though, was the one that really got my attention is why I put him as my first observation piece uh, a little bit after the lead, which was obviously Jordan Poyer practicing uh, for the first time this spring alongside uh, Micah High, but also Poyer practicing in full Ryan Tal, but he wasn't he didn't show up and then hold in. He showed up and and, and balled out. He practiced. He was in. He was part of a couple of plays that we could talk about later. But for Cook, it was 11 on 11. Josh Allen. Kind of waited for the play to develop a little bit. 
found James Cook kind of to the short right side, fired off a nice uh, pass to James Cook, and that's when it took over. And that's when kind of like the – he started to envision what this is potentially going to look like for James Cook. This is the role where I feel like he could fill in pretty nicely. And he got the ball in his hands, quickly turned up field, uh, got behind the lead blocker, which happened to be Greg Mance, uh, who they brought in, former Miami Dolphin. And Mance, you know, he scooted quite a bit. I mean, he got up field pretty quick, and James Cook followed along. Before you know it, he's 20, 30 yards downfield. Wouldn't have been a touchdown, but it, it definitely was a big-time gainer. And, and James Cook showing off what he can kind of do with the ball in his hands in the passing game, Duke Johnson made a couple of similar plays, but contrasting the two styles and, and Duke Johnson's made his, his bread in the, in the, in the NFL, in the passing game, just side by side, James Cook just looks a little bit different. And I know it's, it's, it's no pads and you got to put this in its proper place, but just the speed and I don't even want to say the elusiveness, but decisiveness with the way that he looked with the ball in his hands, it stood out to me, and I've been waiting for this moment all spring. It happened today with Cook. Yeah, and that's exciting. And listen, he, he is a smooth, uh, pass-catching running back that the Bills have been kind of missing in this offense. Uh, and when you get those moments in, in practices like this, these mini camps, it, it's exciting because that's what they drafted him for in the second round. And the, the Bills typically bring their rookies along pretty slowly. So obviously I don't think week one, week two is going to be out there, 20, 25 snaps, anything like that. But he's going to get his opportunities, Matt, over the course of the games. And if he can make one play like that over the course of a game or two big plays, then his role will continue to expand. But it's also going to help this offense. You know, it, it's just like we were saying. When they missed out on J.D. McKissick, they go out and they sign Duke Johnson, kind of a backup plan. But then to have James Cook fall into their laps in round two of the draft was probably a dream scenario for them because he's younger than McKissick and and Johnson. He's a little bit faster, has a little bit more juice, and you knew that he was a special type of player coming out of this draft. So it's always nice to hear that he's performing well, good for Mance as well. Uh, The Bills adding some more competition to that offensive line. Anytime you can make a play like that, get out and do some blocking, little things like that will will help the cause for him as well. I also want to kind of mention that uh, I, I highlighted this specifically because it's a player of interest. We've gotten a lot of comments about James Cook over the last couple of weeks. This was a big-time play, and I want to give it its proper due. Uh, but this isn't to kind of knock down Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. There's not a lot of opportunities for running backs in this setting. I mean, it, it really isn't. It's not a great place to evaluate these guys. So, again – I want to kind of caution people, put this in its pop, proper perspective. But I just think that it was it was noteworthy to see James Cook out there making a play like this, uh, you know, showing off a little bit of what he can do. And when you make a play like that at this stage, I think people start to take notice, right? Like doing it in rookie minicamp is one thing, but doing it on the first day of uh, a mandatory minicamp when the entire team is there, full attendance from the Bills. The only person that didn't participate of note was Spencer Brown, who's still kind of recovering from that uh, procedure he had done earlier this offseason. Tim Harris and Jake Kumro didn't participate. But again, uh, those are, are, are depth guys that I, I don't think are, are, are super noteworthy. This was a, a, a practice where everybody was kind of available and James Cook made a big time play. I wanted to highlight that. Where do you want to go next, Ryan? Let's talk a little stock up, stock down. Let's start with Isaiah Hodgins, someone that we we were saying, you know, is this his last chance? He had a pretty nice practice today, Matt. For sure. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, I, I noted last week, man, not being available is going to be a really tough thing for them, him this kind of time of year as we get into the summer at training camp. And boy, did he come back and really not only 
was he available and was out there, you know, uh, practicing, but he had a huge practice today. He had big time plays. Uh, guys were leaning on him. He, he had a, a during red zone work. He had a touchdown uh, there from uh, uh, Case Keenum. And then it was really the, the final portion of practice 11 on 11. They were working kind of running down the field and um, they, they was trying to get a, a field goal. They were working situational stuff. And so they were driving down the field and three straight plays, Case Keenum threw the, threw the ball to Isaiah Hodgins, who, you know, one of the strengths of his game is that big body, that quickness to get himself available early and then kind of box out the defender. And that's what happened. And without pads, without the ability to, to shove him off the line, I felt like defensive backs, I think uh, a couple guys, DeMar Hamlin uh, was caught in one-on-one uh, with him at one point. And I think it was Nick McLeod on the other two plays. And he just shook them off. I mean, there was no play that they could make on the ball. And that that's what Isaiah Hodgins offers. And you could just see the, the confidence kind of brimming from him coming off the field, getting a chance to get into a little bit of a rhythm. That's huge for a player like this that's trying to build any type of momentum for a, a, such an important uh, training camp coming up. Listen, he's got a couple years left of, of, of his rookie deal, but he's a six-round draft pick, Ryan. And the, the pressure is going to mount. There's no guarantee for a roster spot for him uh, as opposed to maybe a guy like Cody Ford, who's in year four, former second round pick. There's just a little bit more wiggle room for Hodgins. It's every day coming to the facility and showing out. And he showed out today. And I think really showed and highlighted what he could bring to this offense. If there is that potential role. And I think we could kind of pair it with a stock down a little bit. And that's OJ Howard, who in a lot of ways, Ryan, I don't know if this necessarily translate or, or if I'm putting these things together correctly, we'll see once we get, further towards the roster projection. But OJ Howard's arrival, for me, as I'm looking at this group as a whole, kind of pegs down a guy like Isaiah Hodgins because I think they do similar things. When you're talking about a, a big slot receiver, I think that's kind of what OJ Howard fills. He's he's a tight end in name, but he can kind of do certain things. He just does not look, look as crisp early on. And part of that, I noted in my observations, could be him just trying to get used to the playbook, get up to speed here, but he's looked slow, a little bit robotic robotic in his in his routes, and part of that could be just trying to understand what his role, Flu- fluidity-wise, what he was asked to do in the Tampa Bay offense might be different than what they're asking him to do in this offense. He spent a lot of time on, on the practice field with Rob Bors. We've seen uh, him work with Dawson Knox over the last couple of years, and so He's going to have to really spend a lot of time getting things down. And and maybe it's just about at this stage, kind of like an actor. I use that kind of metaphor. You know, when you're going through your script and you're learning your lines, there's probably going to be a lot of screw ups, right? You're probably going to be a little bit slow on some parts or, you know, not necessarily having the timing down. I think that that's what's happening right now. So I I want to put it in its proper context. But for me, OJ Howard hasn't had a great few weeks. I haven't mentioned it before now. But I wonder, I think OJ Howard's going to make this roster. It's a good question maybe that I could kind of ping pong over to you. If OJ Howard makes this roster, does that in any way impact how you view Hodgins? Because I feel like Hodgins maybe making this roster could maybe be something tied into that OJ Howard role. I don't know. What do you think? Mm, that's a great question. You know, first and foremost with Howard, I think you said it really well. He's he's adjusting to this offense. He's learning the new offense. The, the Bills brought him in on a very team-friendly deal, in my opinion, because they wanted to make sure there wasn't a drop-off uh, if Dawson Knox missed some time, because that's happened before. We saw a few games 
uh, where Sweeney's head has uh, been kind of inserted in the lineup. I, one game last year when Quentin Morris was elevated from the practice squad and was active for a game. You want to have someone that has those live game reps that, that uh, has been put in big spots before, and, and Howard has been there, 11 touchdowns in his first two seasons. So uh, first and foremost with him, you want to give him some time to adjust, wait and see what he does, especially come training camp time, because like you said, he should be making this roster as tight end number two when all is said and done. In terms of Hodgins, Great report today from you on how he performed. Now he's got to stack these practices one on top of the other. And if he can do that, if he can have another nice practice tomorrow, if he can flash at training camp, I don't necessarily think that the, you know, Howard and Hodgins are going to be uh, one or the other in terms of making this roster by any stretch of the imagination, but you're right. Hodgins projects best as like a big slot, which is, what you can use OJ Howard as in in this offense, but it's going to come down to Hodgins just simply putting in the work each day, being that clear cut number five, number six, uh, really number six type receiver, maybe number seven, if they carry seven. Um, So that's a great question, but I I do think that it's all in Hodgins hands in terms of making this roster. I I think Howard signed, I think it was a three and a half million. I think they envisioned him being here and what that's going to look like is going to transpire in August and September more than anything else. And I think because of his, you know, history, because of where he was drafted, the the upside uh, that he presents, I I don't think that his roster spots necessarily in danger, but, and, and I also think paired with that, I don't think Hodgins is a huge risk. If you cut him, the bills would be worried about losing him. And so maybe it's a situation where you get into the season, see what OJ Howard looks like. And if that role that you maybe envision for him, it's not working out and you, you stash Hodgins on your practice squad and there's not a role, maybe, maybe Hodgins earns a role. I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but I think that that could be something as well. There's a question in the chat here from J a West. Can, can Hodgins possibly be like uh, a T a T Higgins like player? T. Higgins, I think for me, has a little bit more ability on the outside. That is a a really good second round receiver that you know really helped catapult that Cincinnati offense. I don't necessarily know if if Hodgins has that ceiling, but I don't. I also don't want to downplay what he could do. He is athletic. He has quickness. I'd like to see him. Maybe you know if a couple guys go down and maybe he gets a chance to play. Um, in that role, we'll probably see him a little bit more pronounced in the preseason, but I think that's maybe a little bit higher of a ceiling that I place on, on Hodgins. Yeah. And that's fair. And, and, you know, Matt, you, you mentioned wide receiver depth and, and players who have been drafted high. That kind of is a smooth transition over to Tavon Austin, a former, uh, first round pick of the Rams way back when, uh, a top 10 pick that the bills actually traded the Rams. How's he looking so far? You mentioned him in your observations today as well. Yeah, so first off, before we get uh, there, let's a couple people asking this question, and, and it's important because I thought there was some good stuff that came out after the uh, after practice about it as well. Trey White is not practicing yet. Um, I, I think Brandon Bean said it a couple weeks ago that uh, he expects the uh, the first real update that we'll have around training camp time. So I don't think the expectation was that he'd be out there. But somebody asked uh, Mike Hyde today about Tredavious White, and the response was interesting because, you know, a lot of people are talking about when is Tredavious White going to be back? Some are talking about, all right, is he going to be the great, is he going to be the same player? And 
I think most people that cover him think that he'll return to a, a version of what he's been just because of who he is. Well, Micah Hyde left no doubt about that today. He said he'd bet everything that he has on Trey White being the guy, being better than he was before just because of who he is, the work ethic that he has. And he basically said the, the work that he's been doing in the dark, people can't even wrap their heads around how much work he's been doing to get himself right. So it wouldn't surprise me on day one of camp if we see Trey White off to the side working with the strength and conditioning team. I'm not expecting him to be in team drills right off the jump, but I would put, if if you gave me an over-under on Tredavious White when he's going to be back, I'd take the under. Mm, okay, very good. Yeah, the, the Bills are going to be vague about this because one, it's you don't want to over deliver and then uh, not meet that promise first and foremost. But two, even though they're, they're working with some of the best doctors in the world and they have a lot of great guys on their staff, you just never know how long it's truly going to take someone to, before they feel right out there on the field. But you're right. He's been doing a lot of work. He's been, uh, you know, it happened on Thanksgiving last year. So we've seen people come back from these injuries in a pretty, uh, I don't want to say short span of time, but a short span of time for such a significant injury, I guess, is a good way of, of saying that. So I'll be interested to see what he looks like if he's out there at training camp, what he's doing. And then as the season approaches, when will he be ready to go and what will he look like, especially when he gets out there early on? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Austin, right? That's who yes. we were going to go to next. Tavon right. Austin. Yeah, so Tavon Austin, man, I, I've really, and I didn't even really go in depth in my um write up on Austin. Uh, but I've been really just, it's been eye opening to see how involved he's been from the jump. And I asked Josh Allen about that today because we saw him out on the practice field, not even talking about the plays that he made and we'll get into those, but like the intensity, like Josh Allen mentioned the fact that he is going, he's doing mental reps at every portion of practice. So they're doing kick return stuff. He's behind the kick returner and he's just physically mentally kind of going through the motions of, of going through the reps, showing like that kind of work ethic, right? He said he's got a very specific way that he talks to guys. And that carries weight for not only a veteran, but a guy like Austin. Like if you go back to his um, highlight reel back in, in college, I mean, that's the stuff of legend, right? Like people in the NFL now grew up idolizing Tavon Austin, the version that came into the NFL. He's He's kind of struggled a little bit in the league, still holds a lot of weight in the room. And so that's been something that Josh Allen mentioned on the field. There was like this intensity and like when they're, do, when they're running 11 on 11, it's, it's the offense in a kind of a pocket and then defense in a pocket on the other side, like, like a game would be right. Well, well as the offense was kind of running through and, and Austin wasn't out there, he was just roaming the sidelines, man, like intense. Like they had referees out there today. So he was kind of walking down towards the referee shouting stuff out at players. Like there's just like a a level of intensity that he brings, even in the practice setting that that's the kind of stuff that Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, they covet. They search out these kind of guys to infuse them into the room. I mean, you know what Von Miller's bringing. You know what guys like, you know, Cole Beasley and John Brown and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer over the years have brought. This is another level of that. And I thought, um, so a couple plays of note, seven on seven, favors the offense. He got free uh, down the field. I, I think it was Case Keenum that threw it. I, go check out my observations. I, I have the quarterback who threw it. Hits him on a bomb. He got separation from the defense. Hauls it in, scores the touchdown, drops the ball, raises his hands as if, 
you know, he was looking up inside a Highmark Stadium at Bills Mafia, cheering him on. I mean, he was visualizing it as he came back to the offensive huddle on the other side of the field. He hit the gritty, uh, doing he was doing the dance on the way back. He was feeling it like he is a character, and he's somebody that I noted in my, in my story. I, I'm really interest, interested to see and kind of chronicle how he fits in and his trajectory here. And I think he's more than just like a camp body. Like if that's where how you view Tavon Austin when they signed him, I've quickly changed my tune on that um, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's really interesting. And one point I liked that you mentioned was – you know, the, the highlights that he made, especially uh, in college. And there was a video that was circulating last year. And I want to say it was Marlon Mack of the Colts. It was a pregame. They're facing Jacksonville. And he's like, is that Tavon Austin? Like he was he was starstruck by Tavon Austin. He went over to him pregame like, hey, I watched your highlights. You know, you're a big part. That holds weight. One of the first people that reacted to the Bills signing Tavon Austin was Stefan Diggs and how excited he was about a move like that. So when you have the superstar of your wide receiver room getting really excited about a veteran like Austin, someone that you know still has that speed, and you're right, it was Keenum, by the way, uh, that threw that ball to him from your observation. So uh, it, it's just it's a good, encouraging sign because when they signed him, I said, okay, you know, he has that punt return experience. It's been a few seasons since he was doing it on the regular but he has that 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 kind of gives him a little bit of um, of a chance. And now he's making plays in the passing game too, and he's still showing that he has that speed. I know they have Isaiah McKenzie. I know they have other guys that can be used as gadget players as well. But that's something else Austin could do for this offense. He did it a lot early in his career uh, in his stint with the Rams. There's no doubt in my mind that they could add a few wrinkles for him here in Buffalo as well. You want to let me throw a wrinkle into things here, Ryan Talbot? Yeah, you know absolutely. it's summer. Yeah, it's grilling season. Get over to Value Home Centers right now. Do not wait another minute. It, the, the deal goes on until July 14th, but I wouldn't wait. I'd go lock it down right now. The Spirit 2 E210 Protein Grill from Weber usually goes for $4.99. It is marked down $100 to $3.99. You can get it right now. Cook up some burgers. I, I made some killer burgers last night, Ryan. Uh, I was actually up at Tops. I picked up some 90%. I'm a 90% guy these days. You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep it lean. I don't want to get too crazy. I could throw an 80% around there. Uh, I'm not afraid of it, but we, we try to keep it 90% most of the time. And uh, got some beef, get, went out, cooked it on the grill. It's grilling season. It, it's in the air. It was 80 degrees today. Get over to Value Home Centers. They'll take care of you, Ryan Talbot. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you could turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. 
Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Hey, how about uh, a little Nick McLeod, someone that I've really talked about. I like the speed. You had some interesting observations about what the Bills are, are doing with him now. Uh, how about a little bit of Nick McLeod news for the Bills fans out there? So I know that uh, so most people are aware, but we we have restrictions on what we can report, right? Like, so if I see a player at a certain position and maybe they don't play that position, I can't come out and directly tell you that. But last week we were talking to, to Leslie Frazier. We we're talking to him about, you know, some of the benefits of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer not being there. And he mentioned, you know, getting younger guys some work. And he was talking about Jaquan Johnson and Damar Hamlin, Josh Thomas. And he also threw in, Nick McLeod, Nick McLeod and basically implying that he was, you know, playing some safety. That's interesting. They're, you know, so switching him around a little bit. I thought today, regardless of position, because I can't tell you where he was today, he was competing. That's what stood out to me about McLeod today. And that's what you have to do this time of year. Like I mentioned last week, Kyer Elam, he gave up a couple plays. McLeod gave up a couple plays today. But I think it's about how you're competing. When the pads come on, it's going to change things. Like I, you watched him at Notre Dame, and so you could speak yes. to you know what we know about him as a player. But I, I almost get the sense that he's itching for the pads to come on. Some players are a little bit different when those pads come on. Ed Oliver kind of spoke about this a few years ago when he was kind of coming up for the first time in some of these practices. Like, you, you really can't even talk about me playing football until the pads are on. And this reminds me of that with McLeod. So moving around a little bit, competing a little bit. He lost a couple today, but I, I, he stood out to me at practice today. And just from the work ethic side of things, and Elijah Griffin, he's really loud. Like when things don't go his way, he's very vocal. We, we talked about the fight a few weeks ago. He hasn't stood out to me the same way that McLeod has the last couple of weeks. And today it was really evident. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. With McLeod, you know, he wasn't at Notre Dame long. He transferred over there. And I, I liked the speed, though. I liked what he brought from that factor. And that can carry over whether you're talking cornerback safety, whatever position it may be. Like you said, you can't talk too much about um, where where he's playing right now. But I liked that about him. And and obviously some NFL teams like that about him, too. When he was released last year by the Bills, the Bengals picked him up. They had him on the 53 man roster for. Uh, part of the season, Bills signed him back. I think there were a lot of developmental traits there. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how the Bills bring him along, whether it's at cornerback or safety or a hybrid mix of both. You know, we, we've seen that. There's Saran Neal on this team now who can do both jobs. There was A.J. Williams back in the day. Micah Hyde used to be uh, back in his days with with the uh, Packers. He played a little corner. Now he's a safety and one of the best in the league. So you can kind of mold these guys and get them in that right mindset of, hey, this might be your best position in the league. And whatever that is with McLeod, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see his development this year and going forward. Uh, some questions about training camp and uh, everybody is excited about going back to St. John Fisher. Sean McDermott and Josh Allen talked about it today. Everybody knows my feelings on that. Uh, I cannot wait to get in those dorm rooms. Some of those nights are tough sleeps, but it's a great environment to be around the fan base, to be around. And after COVID, dude, like I'm telling you, like it's just been such a bummer to not be around that. So last year when you came out to the stadium a few times, we had some interaction with some fans uh, in the stadium. That was such a cool setting. And I feel like St. John Fisher is, it takes it to the next level. And so uh, what I'm hearing from little birdies is July 24th, I believe is when 
it, the expectation is for training camp to start. That's not an official date by any stretch, but it's going to be around that time, whether it be, you know, sometime that weekend, early that next week, the bills are going to start training camp a little early. They open the season on a Thursday. So that's the way that it goes, but I can't wait to get back to Rochester. How many, how many days can I pry you up there for Ryan? Talbot. You know, it, it'll all go with my summer schedule, but I, I'm hoping to get up there at least two or three times. It'd be great if I can make that work out. Um, Hold it, him accountable, Mafia. That's he, right. he came in town the other night uh, yeah. for the Josh Allen thing. D- didn't tell me. He, I will say he did reach out and say, um, I'm, I'm thinking about going to this thing. And I was in the middle of baseball hysteria. But he came in all the last. I had to see pictures. He was already driving back, I would assume. So I'm going to hold him accountable for that. Coming to town. Uh, next time I come to Olean, see if I call. <laughs> I don't think you make a lot of trips to Olean there, Matt well, Perino. But if you do, I'll I'll take you to the Beef and Barrel for a nice dinner or somewhere else. Ooh. We'll we'll catch up. But yeah, I'd like to get to Rochester. I'm going to try to get to the stadium uh, for a few of those practices as well. well. We'll definitely get together a few times this summer for sure. For sure. Uh, I wanted to transition quickly to Christian Benford. Yeah. Uh, had a rough day last week. And, you know, speaking of a guy that the Bills, I think, view as potentially an answer long term at multiple positions, uh, maybe somebody in the in the vein of a Saran Neal, Benford was electric today. Like he stepped his game up to the next level. It's like it's amazing. Some of these young scrappy players that, you know, maybe late round draft picks, they come in, they have a tough practice and the way that it's like an immediate bounce back. I mean, I think it's part of like the caliber of guys that this regime tends to find but also just the competitive nature of things out there. I mean, he was he was fighting for everything today. He had a couple of really nice exchanges with Hodgins, who had a great day, but he did have one victory against him. And I, let me actually look it up real quick here. Keenum was in a quarterback and uh, tried to fire one into Hodgins, but Benford stayed on his hip the entire route, forced him, uh, himself into in the passing lane at the final moment to knock it down. Uh, later, he had really great coverage, like just stayed on Hodgins' hip for a long ball. Uh, it didn't factor in, but it is what it is. Uh, it was great coverage all the same, and that's the stuff that you're looking for and you want to make note of. And then uh, Keenum had a bad throw to Marquez Stevenson during 11-on-11. Benford was there to break it up. But I just thought Benford was – he was crisp. He was active. He answered the bell, came back after a tough practice, and those are the things you look for too, Ryan. Yeah, that that's huge for especially for a guy that's coming out of a small school like Villanova. And listen, the the Bill Scouts do a good job of finding these diamonds in the rough. We've talked about it before. Taron Johnson, small school guy, Saran Neal, and, and you know those are big shoes for a guy like Christian Benford to fill if he's going to end up being like that. Uh, but we talked about the negatives, the 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 struggles. Now we're going to talk about the positives as well. So it's nice to see him bounce back, have a big day. Matt, there was something in here about the punt guy. Now, I know you mentioned in the article, still no holding uh, for Matt Ariza, but any, anything else from him today? Um, No, nothing from Ariza. I did not see any uh, punts. Uh, I was over at Von Miller and Jordan Poyer at the start of practice, so maybe he sent a couple up. Uh, I missed that, but again, no holds. And interestingly enough, Matt Hawk was holding for all of Tyler Bass's field goals today, and Bass stocked down was erratic. I mean, he missed two field goals. He missed a 53-yarder and then a 48-yarder, which kind of spoiled uh, Case Keenum's drive. Uh, we mentioned those those Isaiah Hodgins plays um, kind of spoil it a little bit. So that's something to watch. But again, we're still not seeing uh, uh, much of Matt Hawk. Uh, I think if they're going day, every, every other day in terms of holding, maybe we'll see him tomorrow. There is a practice again tomorrow, like I mentioned. True. 
but yeah, nothing much to report. And again, Tyler Bass missed a couple of field goals. It's not a big deal. The guy is, uh, he, I, I say stock down, I, I, you know, tongue in cheek. He's it's a practice setting. You know, they were kind of running through it and it's the spring. So there it is. I want to transition last segment here before we get out of here and we're going to be right back tomorrow. So we'll talk more big picture stuff at the end of tomorrow's show. I wanted to talk about the red zone work today because I thought that that was uh, some really good stuff across the board. A couple notable uh, performers, the catch of the day, Ryan Talbot, an absolute laser from Matt Barkley back pylon where only the receiver could catch it. Albeit he was going up against undrafted uh, free agent Jamarcus Ingram. Good coverage. It did, did all he could. But Marcus Stevenson made an absolutely sensational catch. Got the two hands on it. Got both feet down. Everybody went nuts. It was a huge moment at, at, at near the end of practice or middle portion of practice uh, of the teamwork. Uh, but it was just a great play. And this is Stevenson, who I thought had a really good practice again today. He's kind of building momentum too. And I think somebody made a comment earlier in the show, like this is a really talented receiving core, Ryan, like top through bottom, there's going to be some tough de- decisions. To, uh, Sean McDermott was asked about that today. And he said, that's kind of what you build it for. You want those tough t- decisions as hard as they are at the end. Um, and it, somebody said, Barkley really with the laser, it was a great <laughs> pass. And I think like, those kinds of quarterbacks that maybe don't have the the high end Josh Allen arm talent down in the red zone when they know they they got to put a ball on somebody they can they can still dial it up and you know I've seen some of Barkley yeah I saw I've seen some of Barkley's workouts and uh, the dude uh, he gets after it and you know big Celsius guy I love Celsius if anybody from Celsius is listening and they want to kind of sponsor the podcast I'm in like yeah I already drink it every day so Barkley I think I I think he was the first one I saw that had it but yeah. Anyway, red zone work. Anybody that stood out uh, in that portion to you uh, as some guys that maybe uh, caught a couple touchdowns today? Well, real quick with Stevenson, you know, this is going to, we were talked already about Tavon Austin. We've already talked about Isaiah Hodgins. This is going to be part of the fun uh, of narrowing down this roster to 53 guys and, and what extra can they provide? What can they do? Special teams, this, that, or the other. So hopefully all of those players and maybe a few more step up throughout uh, tomorrow's practice and then training camp because it's a good problem to have. Like you mentioned, I think you mentioned Quentin Morris possibly having a touchdown in the red zone as well. Anything, uh, it says Allen threw a touchdown. Yeah, to Morris to get things started. Anything that you noticed from him besides that one play? I know second year now. No, that was a nice play. Um, he, I think he made a couple catches in today's practice. I think one miscommunication with Keenum, but I thought that that was more on Keenum than it was uh, Morris. He had a solid day today. Shakir caught one of the touchdowns. A nice, a really nice uh, Khalil Shakir. Just, just a seam route, nothing crazy. Uh, Keenum put it on him. I thought Keenum was the... You know, I think it was four touchdown passes he had in that drill. One of them was the Hodgins. I talked about that earlier. Tommy Sweeney making yeah. some noise after sitting out last week. A bit, you know, he needs to have a big tra- uh, training camp, and, and so that was good to see him kind of get and, and all the tight ends really. Uh, Widermeyer, uh, Widermeyer, he had one at the end there from Barkley as well. So, you know, uh, in the red zone, you know, where the tight ends got to do some work. I thought, I thought all uh, three of those guys had a nice day. Yeah, that's an, it's encouraging because you know what you have in Dawson Knox. You hope you know what you have in OJ Howard as tight end two, uh, but but now it's going to be you know a little bit of a fight for tight end three, and you you have a guy like Morris coming back, and you've had Tommy Sweeney in this system. Uh, Weidermeyer was someone who produced in college, just tested really poorly, maybe a few little red flags there, but the talent's there. Uh, and if he can make those plays, maybe he doesn't start on the roster, but 
he could be a guy that could be a lot for the practice squad and eventually get elevated to this main roster. So just like the wide receiver competition, I would say keep an eye on the tight end competition this summer. Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting on the back end. little comment here from Jeff King. He says, gentlemen on YouTube, gentlemen, we have with all due respect, which thank you, by the way, for your respectful comment. We won't know what we have till January, which is which I'm fine with. As long as they are peaking at, at playoff time, that's all I care about. I don't even think you need the respect. I, I think we all can agree that this version of the team, you know, the Bills were really good last year. They had the number one defense in the league, and we saw what happened in Kansas City. So I think that that, that general consensus is agreed upon. But when you have a roster as good as this, fine-tuning it and making sure you have the right components and the right pieces, that's what this time of year is for, is just kind of talking through different scenarios. It's a, it's a lot like the exercise of mock drafts, right? Like, Sometimes people say, oh, if I have to read another mock draft, it's not really about trying to predict predict perfectly what's going to happen. I know traditionally 20 years ago, that's what you know certain journalists did. Listen, at the end of the day, teams can change at the last minute. Like you could have you can have a great idea of what a team's going to do. And then, you know, things change. They get a piece of information. It's it's always a fluid situation. I think for you know, for fans, why this content, this time of year is important is trying to just visualize you know, what different combinations at different positions could work out and how they perform this time of year while not the entire package when you're kind of going through this in in August and September. But it's just, it's a fun part of the process, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Figuring out who's going to claim some of those final spots because a lot of this roster is pretty locked down. There might be 10 spots up for grabs. Who's going to claim them? Because to to the uh, to the point of the the comment there, yeah, you want the Bills peaking in January and some of those players that we're talking about maybe making this roster, they could be playing a part in that peaking at the right time. And we've seen that. I thought the Bills were peaking at the right time last year and obviously didn't go their way when all is said and done. But uh, to the commenter's question, yes, peaking in January at the end of the day is what this team needs to, to build up that momentum going into the playoffs. I've seen a couple of people ask about uh, Terrell Bernard. I'll try to keep a closer eye on him tomorrow. He did not stand out to me at all today. I didn't notice any play that he was involved in. A couple of things that I want to kind of get to before we get out of here. Number one, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, on all the platforms. Leave a review if you're listening to this on audio only, Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. We don't know a lot of details about it and and who knows when and, you know, um, how that will come out. But, you know, the news about Kim Pagula today, I mean, you know, you just step back from your role for a second. And I, I know I'm in the media and I cover this team. Uh, I, I've, you know, been around Kim Pagula on several occasions, one specifically a little bit more um, personable before I started doing this. I when I was with the UFC, the bill, they were coming to Buffalo for a show and I'd met with um, Kim and, and Kelly Pagula was there and just had a really great interaction with them as we were doing like the tickets on sale tour in Buffalo. I think that we took the fighters to the Sabres game and I got to just be around them for a little while, talk to them about the UFC and being from Buffalo and everything like that. Just like the nicest people that you'd ever want to meet. And every interaction I've had since covering the team with Kim has been just amazing and just when something like this happens in the community, it's just like, you know, whatever she's going through, whatever the family is going through, you just want to send out your thoughts. Uh, if you know, your, your prayers, whatever you, you know, whatever you're feeling that you want to extend, whatever your feelings are on the Pagulas. And I know it's a polarizing thing when it comes to the teams, they've done a lot for this community and they're, they're pillars in the community. And, um, 
I just want to send out my thoughts to the, to the family more than anything. It's, it's tough time for probably what they're going through right now. Yeah. Prayers and good vibes to Kim Pagula and the entire Pagula family. Um, we are going to get out of here on that note. As always, we are brought to you by Value Home Centers. Customers can shop anytime at valuehomecenters.com. You buy what you need online. You can pick it up in the store or just shop the huge selection. They'll You can buy it. They'll ship it to the store and you can go there and, and pick it up. Uh, also, text VALUE, V-A-L-U to 80692. Join their text program. You receive a $10 off $40 purchase coupon. Plus, you'll be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We'll be back tomorrow, probably the final day of minicamp. Uh, we'll bring you everything from practice. Be here. See you then. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.